If you would please take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. This morning I'd like to address a topic in Scripture that we've all heard of, we all know about, and we've read about it in different parts, and for in fact, the theme is scattered throughout the Scriptures. But in some ways, I wonder if we in our modern time and our modern American culture have lost the significance of it, as well as the art of it. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the Christian service of hospitality. The Christian service of hospitality. Look with me here in Hebrews chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds, as bound with them, and them that suffer adversity, as being yourselves also in the body. Father, we come to you this morning, we open your word, and we pray that you would teach us. Lord, you, throughout your word, speak of hospitality, speak of loving others. And Lord, I pray that we might look to your word for the model and the admonition laid out before us, and that then we might under the guidance of your Spirit, consider our own situations and how we are following the admonition you have given. Lord, give us wisdom and teach us according to your word. And Lord, may you be glorified in our lives as we seek to apply your word. Be with me now as I open your word, as I share from your word. Remove distractions, both from my mind and the mind of your people here and those watching and Lord, I pray that we all might be encouraged and strengthened in this day. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hospitality. It's a word that perhaps we've lost significance with. It's a concept that I think we've lost certain degree of significance with. Hospitality today, I mentioned this in Bible Hour earlier this morning, is somewhat of an industry. Well, when we're talking about hospitality here in the Bible, we're not talking about the industry, the industry of hospitality. We're talking about the ministry of hospitality, not something by which we seek to um, earn a livelihood, although there's nothing wrong with being in the hospitality industry. Brother Sousley's in the hospitality industry, and um, in certain regards, others involved in restaurant work are involved in hospitality ministry or industry. Um, but it doesn't mean that industry and ministry don't cross over. In fact, one of the wonderful things I've experienced over the years with Brother Sousley is, is that his hospitality industry and the positions he rolls, um, he is using his advantages and opportunities to actually be a ministry within his industry, and it's really a wonderful thing to see. But hospitality, let, let me ask you first, do you know what it means, that word? Just looking at the word, what does it mean? Well, if we look here at Hebrews chapter 13, we find 
the a Greek word meaning hospitality translated in a little different way. Here in Hebrews chapter 13, the concept of hospitality and coming from the Greek is to entertain strangers. To entertain strangers. The Greek word underneath this, behind this phrase to entertain strangers, is also used in other parts of the New Testament. And in other parts of the New Testament, it is translated as hospitality. Here it's translated to entertain strangers, and in other places it's translated hospitality. So here we see a word, hospitality. Then we see a kind of a description as to what hospitality is. But what is the underlying idea of hospitality? In fact, here we see it translated in the active action to entertain strangers. But why would you entertain strangers? Why would you be given to hospitality? Well, the Greek word behind hospitality and given or to entertain strangers is a word that literally means lover of strangers. Lover of strangers. It's tied in a similar way to brotherly love. So we hear of brotherly love, and that's a love that we would have of a friendship between brothers, sisters, and close friends. Well, this is like that, but it goes beyond just those who are our friends and family to strangers. Hospitality is to entertain strangers because you love strangers. Now, all of you kids might have sent up some alarms. Wait a minute. My mom and dad said not to talk to strangers, and you're telling me to love strangers? Well, loving strangers, as in all relationships, require discernment. So kids, instructions from mom and dad about strangers still stand. It's still very important. But moms and dads, as we give those instructions, and please do give instructions about how to interact with strangers, it's very important. We also need to lead by example that just because someone is a stranger doesn't mean that we don't love them. We need to, by our example, love strangers. And so here in Hebrews chapter 13, which is somewhat in a follow-up to a passage that we dealt with a few weeks ago, which chapter 12 climaxes with the declaration that our God is a consuming fire, it immediately takes that perspective of how the fact that considering our God is a consuming fire, we ought to, with grace, serve him with reverence and godly fear. Then how does that play out? And one of the ways that plays out is in love. Chapter 13, verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. So this is phileo, which is a love I would have for a brother or a sister or a close friend. But not just that. It doesn't stay with just that brotherly love. That's really important. And Paul, who we're not convinced positively, but Paul likely the one whom God used 
and inspired to write Hebrews, is saying that the brotherly love is good and let it continue, keep on going. Let it keep on going. And with that, don't be forgetful to entertain strangers. See, sometimes we get so caught up with all of our friends that we kind of become what some people have called a click club. Our own little exclusive club that includes our family, our friends, and all the people we like to hang out with. Well, Paul's not saying there's anything wrong with that. In fact, he's saying, let the brotherly love continue. He's obviously seen among Hebrew people of whom this letter is written to, brotherly love, and he's encouraged by it. And he's saying, keep at it. Keep on loving one another as brothers. But don't forget to entertain strangers. Don't be forgetful to be hospitable, to love strangers. And then he gives a really, really exciting motivation. He says, for thereby, that is, those who've loved strangers and entertained strangers, some have entertained angels unawares. What's he talking about? Well, he's referring way back to the Old Testament in the days of Abraham, when Abraham saw three men coming who were strangers. And he invited them into his tent. He threw a feast for them. He entertained them. He loved them, even though they were strangers. And he didn't find out till later, after they'd eaten and after he'd entertained them, that one of them, and this is kind of interesting that the writer of Hebrews overlooks this part, was the pre-incarnate Christ, was the Son of God there in his tent. And two others were angels. And so here in his ministry, Abram's ministry to these three men, he entertained angels and he didn't even know it. How many of you would like to entertain angels? You may have, if you love strangers, and you may not even have known it. That's what the point is here. You may not even know it. Do you entertain strangers? Do you love strangers? There's some other benefits to hospitality. I think of what we learned about this morning in Bible Hour about the Shunammite woman. Did you ever think about what she got because she was loving strangers? A son. She formed the relationship with Elisha that brought about God working in her body or her husband's body, her husband being an old man and she being a great woman, perhaps old, to have a child, a result of hospitality. And so here, Paul writes, admonishing believers, let the brotherly love continue. Let it continue, but be not forgetful to entertain strangers. And the result of this might be that you entertain angels unawares. But there's something else we need to remember, which is fascinating in the concept of hospitality and is perhaps yet another reason why the American church has somewhat lost the connection to this and the art of it. We live pretty comfortable lives, and we live within a society that is pretty comfortable. I mean, apart from when there's a Notre Dame home game, you can pretty much get a hotel in this area just like that. 
right? For the most part. And there's so many places we can go and we can just get these things and convenience are all there. It's, we live in such affluence. Let's back up in a perspective and look at a perspective that's not American and not in this time, but yet America may come to such a time. Persecution. Persecution. When believers, Christians, are hunted. You say that wouldn't happen here. It could. It very likely could happen within our generation. And very likely and probable in the generation of our children. I'm not trying to be a dooms person. But persecution is actually quite common in the world. The fact that it's not here in America is actually an exception to the norm. And if you think about persecution of people like Paul, he's in Damascus, and there's people showing up in Damascus, hunting him down to take his life. And what's he doing? He's getting lowered down in a basket outside a window on the wall to flee for his life. Do you think that there are people who need to show hospitality to him in his travels as he's running for his life? Most certainly he does. So many illustrations of this come from lands where persecution has been recent or is still prevalent. Of those who are fleeing either as pastors or as families from those who are persecuting them and they find shelter in the homes of believers whom they don't even know is beautiful. It is so beautiful to read of such accounts or to hear of such accounts of hospitality, the loving of strangers, and entertaining strangers that extends on. In verse 3 it says, Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Remember them. Now you might say, how's this and what does this have to do with hospitality? Hospitality is not just having a room that you let people stay in or live in. It's about loving people. It's about loving strangers. In fact, this concept here of remember them in bonds carries with it the idea of actually, mentally, remembering those who are in bond and those who are suffering affliction. Because again, especially us in America, we become so, so comfortable that it's out of sight, out of mind. We do not even realize that persecution is rampant in many parts of the world. It's a real thing. Sometimes it's as simple as people losing their jobs. There have been many who have come here, even to our own town, and have heard the gospel from China, received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, and have returned to China to have their jobs taken away. To actually go into hiding. I don't want to get too detailed, but a family who fellowshiped with us for two years ended up back in China in hiding 
for weeks on end. And I asked this question, where were they hiding? I don't think they went found a hotel to hide in. No, they were hiding with other believers who were remembering them, as is admonished here, and were loving strangers. That's where they found this place. And there's other places and times in which this takes place. But again, we're not there, but yet I ask this, I ask this question. We may not have this persecution, but are we practicing it so that if and when persecution comes, we're all practiced up? Right? You don't look too excited. I'm not one to be a doomsdayer, but we do need to remember those in bonds in prayer, and we need to pray for them. In fact, actually, if this is Paul writing, he had some very personal experience with this. For over um, in Romans chapter 16, Paul is writing to the church at Rome, and he's speaking of one whose name is Gaius, who is his host, meaning he was living in the house of one who put him up, one who was showing him hospitality. And then as time goes by, he ends up in Rome, and you remember he's under house arrest. And he's under house arrest in a house that he himself had to pay to live in. But yet he's under house arrest with the Roman soldiers there. You know what that required? That required a church in Rome to be hospitable, to love this stranger named Paul, to remember him in his bonds, and here in this case, as bound with them. I think Paul had some personal experience here. And to suffer adversity as yourselves also in the body. It's an identifying with those who are suffering. So I ask you this morning, do you love strangers? Do you open up your home, your hearts, your lives to strangers? Especially those of the household of faith. That's what's most important. How do I know that? Well, let's look at some other passages. Let's look at some other passages. Turn with me over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. It's fascinating here again. We're going to deal with the question of hospitality. But guess what it starts with? Love. Love. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation. What does dissimulation mean? Fakey. Fakey. So we're not talking about a love here. Oh, I love strangers. Fake, fake, fake. No, no, no. Let it be love that's real. 
without dissimulation, without hypocrisy, without fakiness. Let love be without it. Continues on. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Unrelated to hospitality? No. Right in the midst of it. You see, love that's real is going to have this perspective of what is good and what is evil. Abhorring that which is evil, cleaving to that which is good. Real love has to take into consideration this. Verse 10, Romans 12, 10. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. So here now we have kindness, and it is an affection. It's an emotion, but more than emotion, it results in care and action. That's what the idea of affection is. And it's one to another, and it's with the brotherly love, the love that is like a friend's love. And this is done in honor. That's a respect. That's a preferring one another. This is called basic manners, but yet it also goes beyond to self-sacrificing love. It's brotherly love, but it's bigger than that. You know, in order for you to have brotherly love, you kind of have to have respect for other people, don't you? You can't be always going around criticizing what people's different, different um, weaknesses are or their different failures or their different personality quirks or um, their food preferences. You know, it's all kinds of things. It's just a broad gamut of things. And it wouldn't work. It's an honor, respect, and it's with preferring one another. This is why I tell my kids, when you're sitting at the table, and this is really hard, isn't it, guys? And there's just one pot sticker left. Do you all know what pot stickers are? Pot stickers are like wontons. They're that little, that little wrapped, delicious Chinese food those little pot stickers, and there's just one left on the plate. Now, what is brotherly love and honor preferring one another? What do we teach as manners? There's the one on the plate. I want it, so what do I do? I grab it and I gobble it up before anybody else can see, right? Is that love preferring one another? Nope. You know what love preferring one another is? It's to say, hey, there's one more pot sticker here. Would any of you like it? And my kids say, that doesn't make any sense. I want it. Why would I ask if others want it? They might take it. That's right. They might. Well, unless they too love you and in honor preferring one another would say, well, how about would you like it? Well, you go ahead if you'd like it. And then they go back and forth and back and forth, right? Does that happen very often in our house? No. Doesn't happen very often that way. Sometimes our littlest one who doesn't even have words will see the last, second to the last pot sticker taken and will make a huge speech without knowing what she's saying, or we don't know what she's saying, knowing that there's only one left and she's basically laying claims on it because it's the last one and she just saw somebody take the second to the last one. And so this is a learned art. Here we see. It's a kindly affection 
one to another in brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. And let me tell you, we're so big fat cat Americans that we squabble over pot stickers when we've already eaten our full. You see why we need to practice this in the abundance? In the abundance? By, by the way, I'm, I'm not always so innocent myself. There's sometimes when there's one pot sticker left where I slide it quietly off the table to go put it in my lunch bag. I do. See? So even I struggle with it. In honor preferring one another. In our abundance, do we honor and prefer one another? So you know, by just so you know, you know how my, we get around that now? Now when the pot stickers get made, my lunch gets prepared first. <laughs> That's what my wife does for me. That's how much she loves me. Um, I'm so spoiled. I'm so loved, too. But do we have kindly affection one to another in our abundance? I so hope we do. If we don't, to take heed. Picture this in a world where there's nothing. Where there's very little. How would we behave? How would we behave? Look at how it's tied in with verse 11. So here we've got this idea of love. Let love be without dissimulation, not fake, real. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. This idea of being kindly affectioned one to another with a brotherly love, a friendly love, and honor and respect with brotherly love or preferring one another. You know, this is only possible if you're not slothful in business. Have you thought about that? How are you going to be able to love others, and in some cases have, to give to others? How are you going to be able to have food or a house or lodging to be able to love strangers if you're lazy and slothful? This morning, we saw a husband and a wife who were hospitable, didn't we? They saw Elisha come through town repeatedly, and it was a place where he stopped over. And they decided, we're going to build a chamber for him. Would they have had the house or the money, the wherewithal, to build such a chamber if they were slothful, lazy people? No. They wouldn't have. In fact, if you actually go through and look at the many examples given in Scripture of those who are hospitable, we find out that these were very diligent people. Abraham, the poor widow caring for Elijah, was one who was working when he actually finds her to provide for her own. Here, this, this Shunammite woman is one where we actually later on find her husband faithfully out working in the fields. We have um, Mary and John Mark, 
um, a family in Jerusalem who hosted the upper room, the the Last Supper, a very well-to-do family, a very well-to-do family opening up their homes. We have later a reference of widows in the church who who are ministering to the saints, and it speaks of them actually as being diligent people and how important that is. Lydia in Acts chapter 16 was a seller of purple. She was not slothful in business. She was faithful in a business that served and um, provided riches to kings. Not slothful in business. We find Priscilla and Aquila taking in Paul. Who were they? What do we know about Priscilla and Aquila? Not much. But we know they're tent makers, and they're not slothful in business, even to the point where Paul is joining them in their business to provide for himself that he not exploit anyone. So if you want to be one who loves that's not fake, if you want to be one who loves and is kindly affectioned one toward another in brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, don't be slothful in business. We need to be diligent and hardworking. And again, it's easy to get by comfortably in America. And sometimes, many in America are able to provide for their own needs and even show a measure of charity, but yet can be still very, very lazy. Let us be not slothful In business. It goes on beyond that. Fervent in spirit. That is a beautiful way of describing one who has purpose and passion. Passion to do what? Serve the Lord. To serve the Lord. This whole aspect of love and kindness, brotherly love, Honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, diligent in business, is going to be a piece of one who is passionate, has purpose, and his purpose is to serve the Lord. The serving the Lord is how you keep from having fake, fake love. I'll tell you, there's occasions where you'll love people, you won't get any gratitude. You'll love people, And you might even get betrayed, reviled. And if you're doing it for the accolades, if you're doing it for the praise, if you're doing it for the gratitude, it's with dissimulation. It's with hypocrisy. It's fake. So what's the answer to that? Do it fervently as serving the Lord. One beautiful and incredible truth that we're going to close with, but I want to just share it right now as a moment, is in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is dealing with the judgment of the sheep and goat nations, which is a judgment that takes place right after the tribulation. And in the tribulation, there's going to be a great persecution of believers. Guess what? Hospitality is going to be a really important part in the great tribulation. And Jesus is going to say to some people, When you clothed that naked one, when you fed that starving one of my children, 
when you lodged that destitute running for his life servant of mine, you lodged me, you clothed me, you fed me. Our love of strangers, our love of the brethren, when it is not with dissimulation, is as unto the Lord. And he won't forget it. He will show gratitude. It may not always be pleasant. Look at verse 12. Romans 12, 12. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. Distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality, loving strangers, entertaining strangers, both believing and unbelieving. It's a general term, so that's why I extend it beyond. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. And it continues on. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Don't be stealing to be hospitable. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Do you see how hospitality is not just about a house and, or a prophet's chamber, a room, and food? Do you see some of these things that are going on? There's, there's a rejoicing in hope. That's part of the hospitality. That's part of this love. That's part of this serving the Lord. The patience and tribulation. The continuing instant in prayer. The praying together. I wonder how many prayer meetings take place in these different times of hospitality. Distributing to the necessity of the saints. Given to hospitality. And all of this, you bless them that persecute you? Now, wait a minute. So right after it says given to hospitality, this idea of loving strangers, it goes on and says, bless them which persecute you. I mean, are you serious? I'm supposed to love those who persecute me? I'm supposed to entertain the strangers who persecute me? Bless them and curse not? Rejoice with them that do rejoice. Imagine how many times you can have and be together in a, around a meal or at a table or at a wedding or many different types of environments where, where you rejoice, rejoice. How many other times do we find ourselves in a time when there are those who are weeping for all different kinds of reasons? So many, so many, so many reasons. And weeping with those that weep. 
this brotherly love flowing over into hospitality, flowing over into the same mind one to another, and it's not one who's high-minded. What that mean? I'm better than everybody. My ways, my thoughts, my house, my everything, I'm just better. I'm not minding high things. But condescending men of low estate, that has the aspect to do too of even those who are in, in a low estate in both social and economical position of, of coming, coming down and helping them, as well as, as, well as those who, who are in a low estate perhaps because they're new Christians and they don't understand the ways of God or the truths that you may know. Don't be like, oh, look at all the things I know. Look how spiritual I am. No, no, this isn't about pride, nor is it about condescension. This isn't, doesn't mean you're looking down in them in condescension. This means that you're coming down to them to lift them up is the concept of this. This is, this is like God is God, Jesus is God, the creator of all things becoming a man. He set the example of what this really is talking about. And then be not wise in your own conceits. You know, your own conceits can really get in the way of brotherly love, get in the way of hospitality. And it continues on in, in this, of this aspect. And see how it's in this context, again, of persecution. Recompense to no man evil for evil. You realize how much evil there is when there is persecution? How tempting it would be to just respond in kind. Providing things honest in the sight of all men. It's not just about your hospitality and your love being honest, but even in the midst of when you've lost your job and when your work has been taken from you, or imagine the days when the mark of the beast will be here. We won't be there as Christians, but you won't buy or sell without the mark of the beast. Provide things honest in that sense. Do you see how much there's going to require a brotherly love a hospitality, a companionship that takes place in all of this? If it, all, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. There's the old saying that um, company is like fish in a house, and after a few days it stinks. Hospitality can sometimes feel like fish in the house, and after a day it stinks if at all possible. And just as a note, there's a lot of things possible with the Holy Spirit indwelling you. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you and who lies in you but Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, live peaceably with all men, even the smelly fish ones. All men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. It's not about vengeance or revenge, but rather give place to wrath. Let it pass, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Many wrongdoings are done, but we let them pass. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, entertain him. Now, I just added that. What does it say? If he hunger, feed him. That's called hospitality. If he thirst, give him drink. That's also loving a stranger. Uh, in fact, it's loving an enemy. Wait a minute. We just went from brotherly love to stranger love to enemy love. Yeah, 
it's all tied together. Even your enemies show hospitality to, show love to them. For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Now some people have twisted that to mean a lot of crazy things. It's not our job to be going around and thinking and doing and behaving ourselves that as if, yep, I'm going to show him this and do this just so I can pour coals of fire on his head. No, no, no. It may result in feeling like coals of fire on their head. When they persecute you, they do evil to you, and you show them kindness in return, it may sting and burn, but you're not supposed to be the one doing the stinging or the burning. That's not what you're supposed to be doing, because if that is your motive and if that's what you are doing, this happens to be love with dissimulation, not real love. Do the focus of what the real love is, leaving what may happen of this question of coals of fire upon their heads in God's hands. For what are we doing? Verse 21, we overcome evil. We do be not overcome of evil, but we overcome evil with good. It's very fascinating it goes on to talk about civil authorities because it doesn't mean that we just allow things to happen and be trampled underfoot because God did ordain civil powers, civil authorities. They're, they're ordained and we are subject to them because they're ordained of God as those who are to be a terror to evil but not a terror to good, to those who are to reward that which is righteous and good for they are the minister of God. And so we consider this all in this context, this love, this hospitality. And in the light of enemies and in the light of persecution. So let's rewind it all back to where we're at right here. How many of us have the enemies that are hunting us down? How many of us are running for our lives? Not aware of anybody here. So why aren't we hospitable? Why aren't we more hospitable? Why isn't there more brotherly love among the saints to strangers? Why is our, home, our homes not more open to our neighbors, to those we long to introduce Christ to, to even other believers passing through? Why not? Where's our hospitality? Turn with me to another passage. 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4, verse 8, it says this. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Guess what? All of us have problems. And sometimes we may not want to hang out with each other even as Christians. Hang out, I don't like that phrase. It's, it's a, what's it mean? What's the purpose of hanging out? It's one of potentially the problems why hospitality doesn't exist is because so often we lack purpose in our times with what, 
with people, both believers and unbelievers? Do we have fervent charity? What's charity? Charity is not just about giving money or helping poor people. Charity is a real, genuine, from the heart, sacrificial, if need be, love. Love that does what is best, thinks what is best of others, not ourselves. And so above all things, let the fervent charity be among us. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Our love for one another is going to help us in dealing with a lot of problems among us. And as soon as this is given, look what the next admonition is. And I can't help but think that they're connected. Why? They're right next to each other. Above all things, supreme importance, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover a multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another. Loving of strangers. Sometimes the reason why brotherly love doesn't exist between brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ is because we're actually strangers. And hospitality helps to fix that. But not the fakey kind. Not the kind, okay, pastor says I got to do this. God says I have to do this. My wife, imagine my wife says I have to do this. Imagine the guys this morning, the Bible hour, the husband and wife. Whose idea was it? Let's build a little, let's build a little, a little chamber for the prophet. If you say so, honey. Is that what he did? Doesn't say that. Nope. Happened right off. Imagine how fake that would have been. Grudgingly. I don't know. That's not what hospitality looks like. It's with charity out of a pure heart. And why is this possible? As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, when I first read this, I thought, oh, people are going to say, well, there it is, preacher. I don't have the gift of hospitality. So this isn't about me. This must be about the people who got the gift. So let me ask you this question. What is the gift? Look at it closer. As every, one, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same gift one to another. As good stewards of the gift. And what is the gift? The manifold grace of God. Have you received the manifold grace of God? And that word manifold is a beautiful, gorgeous word. When you understand the richness of its meaning, it's speaking of the fact that the grace of God is just demonstrated in, in multiplicities and in multi-levels and in, in ways that are beyond our comprehension. It's amazing, God's love for us. It's so vast and so deep. It so, covers so many different areas of life. That's the gift that we're the good stewards of, which we have received, so we minister the same. Which is hospitality one to another without grudging, which is, above all things, fervent charity. You see, if you have received the grace of God this morning, you can have fervent charity, and you can use hospitality 
without grudging. Because you have received the manifold grace of God and you are the steward of the manifold grace of God. You have been, I don't want to use the word dumped on, but it's kind of like that. You've, you've been, you've been over, overfilled. You've, you've, been, you've been entrusted with a treasure that is greater and vast, more vast than you can even begin to imagine in the grace of God. And you have the privilege to be the steward of it in showing fervent charity, love, for others, beginning with the saints, and to use hospitality, loving of strangers. How exciting is that? We are the stewards of the manifold grace of God. In Galatians 6.10, it tells us this, As ye have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Yes, there's something special about what we have in this household of faith, but it's not just here. It's especially here, but it's to all men. We have the grace of God that we can pour out and do in God's service. Not for our own pleasure, but for his service. All of our love, all of our charity, all of our hospitality is in service to the Lord. Just as Jesus will have that conversation with those from the time of the tribulation when he says, ye did it as unto me. So this morning as we look and think of our busy schedules, of our overflowing prosperity, is there someone that you know right now that God wants you to show love to? to show hospitality to? Perhaps someone in this very room. Perhaps someone within your neighborhood. Perhaps someone within your workplace. Perhaps an enemy. Does anyone come to mind? If so, make note. And in this week, Seek God. Take advantage of his grace. And have fervent charity. Hospitality. To the glory of God. And perhaps in all of this, nobody's come to mind. What do you do in that case? Well, I suggest you pray about it. I suggest you think about it and start and ask yourself this question. Is no one coming to mind simply because I've put up a mental block that my house can't do that, that that's not for me? Is that why? Because if it is, then deal with that humbly before your God and ask him to show you how you this week, this week, can obey him in all of this. He, it's a command in 1 Peter, use hospitality. It is a command um, over in Hebrews chapter 13, entertain strangers. It's a command, it's an imperative. Are we obeying? How are we obeying? Have a family meeting. We'll start with mom and dad, husband and wife. Have a family meeting, just like that Shunammite woman and her husband had way back there in the Old Testament days of Elisha. 
How can we be given to hospitality? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us. And Lord, as we consider this important topic, I pray that we would be humble enough to know our weaknesses and today that we would surrender ourselves to have fervent charity, to have brotherly love, and to use hospitality without grudging. And Lord, use it to restore relationships. Use it to draw many people to you. Use it to cover a multitude of sins. Use it in each of our lives. And Lord, most of all, may we do it in service to you, not with dissimulation or fakeness or insincerity, but in genuine heart, desire, and passion, and fervent in spirit, serving you. Lord, I pray that you will give families here wisdom in how they may use hospitality. Give them understanding and direction. Help them to identify and to see people, strangers and brothers and sisters in Christ to whom they can show fervent charity. And Lord, we commit ourselves to you. We praise you for you are the one who in all ways condescended to us that we might be saved that we might have hope, that we might be reconciled. You are the greatest lover of strangers. But yet we made ourselves strangers. We, as like sheep, went astray in our own way. and We let our iniquity take us away and carry us away. Lord, I pray this morning for those here who have not believed on you, have not received the forgiveness of sins and not been restored in relationship to you, that today they would believe on you, that today they would receive your salvation, and that today they would have hope, peace, that passeth all understanding, so that they then can go forth, along with us, humbly, all of us, to love others, to lead others to you. We commit ourselves now to you as we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.